Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Empire Radio Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Jeremiah. I'm Drew. And uh, we may or may not have spoiled what we're going to be doing in this episode last week. Uh, So if you listen to last week, you probably know what we're doing. And if you haven't, joke's on you. Now you don't know what we're doing, and you should go listen to last week anyways. Um, But first, before we dive into things, we're going to talk about some news like we always do, and uh, this little tidbit of information is something that Drew actually brought to our attention. Um, so, Drew, why don't you uh, walk us through it? Um, I actually just saw the article and shared it. I didn't read it. Oh, so. God. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I just well, that we should know. There's not a lot right. there, but... Um, yeah, yeah, there's really not. Basically, um, a, a Mandalorian publishing program was revealed um so it's going to kick off with the art of the mandalorian uh for season one actually i don't know if it's going to kick off with that because um i follow doug chang on instagram the artist famously known for working with star wars doing all things star wars and i think he said that that book was going to be out in december on his post oh so this is kind of old news uh no, he posted that like today. Oh. Well this is on StarWars.com, so this is legit. Yeah. There ain't and, no... and, yeah, and, and it was posted eight, today. So. Yeah. Oh. See, so... I'm on top of it, boys. I just didn't read the whole thing. <laughs> but I am on top of it. Right, 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 right. So um we've got The Art of the Mandalorian coming up. The Mandalorian um original novel. It's gonna be an adult centered novel. Gosh. Um, what? I can't wait. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I can't wait either. Uh, we've got the ultimate visual guide to the Mandalorian, as they do with every other Star Wars thing known to man. Uh, the Mandalorian allies and enemies. It's going to be a kids' book. We have an eight by eight storybook. I don't know what that is. I think it's a smaller book. I think it's another kid book. Maybe like a picture gotcha. book or something. Maybe something. Yeah, more yeah, like one of those. Like, yeah. But then we have the la- uh, the last thing they've got in the little bullet list here is a junior novelization uh, for The Mandalorian. And I don't know if that's the whole story or if yeah. it's just a junior novel. But it, because it says junior novelization, it, it, it reads like it's going to be like it's a kid's version of the whole first story, season. Story, like a really fast thing. Yeah. I noticed there's no comic book. Actually... It says, in addition, the Mandalorian-inspired comics are coming from Marvel and IDW Publishing, and magazine novelty and coloring and activity titles are on the way from Titan, (laughs) Studio Fun, Crayola, Thunder Bay Press, Disney Publishing Worldwide, and Dreamtivity. Younger bounty hunters can look forward to a little golden book and a screen comics retelling of season one. 
Yeah, I definitely didn't finish reading that. Yeah. It was the that was the last little bit um before the end of the article. I mean, it, it, this is really short. Um cuz like the first paragraph is like, "Hey, uh stuff is coming." And then it's got a big picture of the cover of the Art of the Mandalorian. And then and there's a little bullet list and then that little blurb that I just blurb I just read about the comics. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pumped for the book. Um I'm going to read that for sure. And yeah. I'll probably collect the comics. Like, I don't know. The Mandalorian, I've been wanting to try to get as much of it as possible for content. As in, like, besides just figurines. So I'm pretty excited. Sure, yeah. And uh, this is going to start this fall. Yeah. Series kicks yeah. off this fall. You think that and... we'll get these books before we get the High Republic books? Yeah, because that's not till January. Yeah. Well, it does say the series kicks off this fall with releases planned through the winter and spring. Mm. So it just it just depends. I'm going to look uh, on Audible to see if you can pre-order that book already. Oh, yeah. That would make it very interesting. Well, anyway, as you're looking yeah. that up, <laughs> another cool... Uh, Oh yeah, not, not necessarily yeah, news, but it's still cool. Um, on eBay right now, they have what might be considered the rarest Star Wars toy of all time. It's a Star Wars vintage prototype Boba Fett rocket firing LSAT AFA ninety, whatever those numbers mean. But right now, it's on eBay, uh, and the starting price, or it's what's well, just technically just a buy now, not a not a, it's not uh, even a bid. Not a bid, but two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. You can have it right now. It and could so, be yours. It could be yours, or yeah. if one say, of your fans. Say that one. Say that one more time for anybody that didn't hear that the first time. Two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. So, dear Lord, buy a house or buy so a figurine. If one of our you fans out Harvard. there want to buy it for us. I think we could probably have you in it for like a guest uh, podcast. You can premiere on only one episode. Yeah, one episode. Two. That's our top tier for our Patreon someday. Uh huh. And then that's also one episode, and maybe we'll meet you. But we gotta talk to our lawyers about that part. But yeah, <laughs> we'll have our people call your people. We'll figure yeah. something out. We'll but yeah, if you want to, if you want to buy it for us, we'll gladly take it off your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for those of you that don't know this, so um, <laughs> if if you're not up to date on the history of Star Wars toys, so when they originally um, filmed the New Hope and made a New Hope, they thought it was going to be a kind of going to be a flop. They were bracing for that, and so they didn't do any merchandise, and then it blew up like was a sensation that they were not expecting. And so then they were trying to scramble to get merchandise. And so they had this like this thing for the first Christmas. So like, think about this, the movie comes out in the fall. And then that first Christmas, which every time a a, a good movie comes out in the fall, the following Christmas, people buy the toys. Like that's what happens, right? Well, they didn't have any toys. (laughs) And so they had a, like a mail in, box like you you bought like a package from kenner with a mail-in thing it was like a pre-order for the time for christmas 
and they were supposed to um they were supposed to get the action figures in different waves over time and then the interesting thing is Boba Fett was included in that but yeah he, he had not made a, huh I was going to say you have to send in a card for him yeah but he had not been on screen yet aside from the holiday special which was really interesting because he was one of the action figures offered, but he hadn't been on screen yet. Anyways, long story short, they originally wanted his missile to, to fire uh, with a spring, but when um, there were like 80 to 100 examples of the prototype that were sent to Kenner, and they were like, nah, this is a choking hazard. <laughs> and so they had to make a solid jetpack instead of one that fired a missile. And so the reason why that action figure is selling for so much is because not only is it an unpainted prototype, but it's one that has a firing missile. So what is also interesting is that Boba Fett was a choking hazard for the Sarlacc pit. Oh, oh! Push the button. Push the button. (sighs) Don't make me do this. We're going to make it push the button. (sighs) (laughs) That, That was, I, I like that one. That was a good one. Uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, that was good. I just I just read something in an article that said that some of these um, can fetch anywhere between two hundred and five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So well, we'll anyways, take one off your hands. Yeah, we'll take one off your hands. Um, if you want to buy it for us. I mean, we're not gonna re- we're not gonna send it back. I mean, we're not gonna deny that. We're, we'll we take also it. we probably won't sell it. Wink, 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 wink. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll share it monthly. We'll have to mail it to each other every month. Yeah, right. But yeah. hey, uh, if if you are interested in Star Wars uh, toy history, go. I think we mentioned this. We might have even mentioned it we last s- week. We but- said this a lot, but yeah. The Toys That Made Us. It's on Netflix. The first episode's about Star Wars. It's really fun stuff. So, Yes. Anyways, um, Drew, did you find quick, out the book? Oh, the what? No, the it's book. not on there. The only books Dang. that you can get on there is like books that aren't canon about Mandalore, like Mandalore stuff. So it's not on there. But um, I was going to say real quick, there was some more announcement on Toys Today or on Monday. Um, so I'm going to go over them really, really fast. They're all black figure, majority of them. Um, so we got Darth Vader, Chewie, Boba, which was announced last week. Um, and Luke with you, it, not with Yoda, but it's like the, the muddy looking Luke. Um, I sent you guys a link and then, um, so you got a, an Imperial Stormtrooper, which is pretty cool. Um, you got like a rebel. Oh, the the snowtrooper. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. A rebel, um, snow fighter from Hoth, and then you have the playset of um them freezing um Han Solo and Carbonite, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So that's this all for um Empire. Um stuff like that for Empire 40th anniversary toys that's what these are you got you also have Leia Empire Leia um 
Yeah, and then you have I'll a cheer it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you have a pop it. You have a pop it of the child. I don't know how the heck. Yeah, how are you supposed to bop it with? Did I? I said pop it. It's bop it of it's bop the it. child. It looks kind of like almost like the ten-inch pop figure, kind of. Yeah, without kind like of. the exaggerated features. Mm-hmm. But then, like, what the? Yeah, dude, I'm looking at that. That's super weird. So bop it. But maybe they're making fun of the scene when they punched him. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I just thought about it. it's like punch him, <laughs> shoot past him. Let's not. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't. That's kind of creepy. But anyways. Yeah. Those are toys, real quick. I feel like half the time we all news is toys, but it's kind of the only Star Wars news we have of right now. So, anyways, so this, if you're tuning in and you didn't listen last week, go check out last week. Um, but also, we kind of went over this a little bit in the news last week. And so, um, Andrew, do you want to tell everyone what we're doing today? Yeah, but first, we have to do what we normally do. Fly into the right spot. Yep. You ready? I, I mean, I'm buckled up. Jeremiah? Yep. Okay, we're here. We made it. Um, so we mentioned this last week at the very end of the episode. Um, so if you were there, you heard that, you know what we're doing. But if not, the... First chapter, the um, the prologue and the first chapter of the book called Light of the Jedi by Charles Soley, um, which is the first, they're saying the first that's going to be released of the new High Republic publishing initiative. Um, but those two sections of that book were released exclusively to IGN. So you can actually um, go on to IGN and read, actually read. Um, this is not a summary. It's not like a little snippet. It's like the, literally the first chapter and um, the introduction. And so uh, we are going to be talking about that today, what we thought, what we think is going to be happening. Um, do we like it? Do we not? Um, Jeremiah read this. I did. This is which literally... Is a, that's a, that's a the, big deal, y'all. This is literally the first portion of a like the only portion of a novel that I have read since high school. Damn. I've read, I've read other books like theology books and stuff like that, but of a, of a novel it was like spring 2008 was the last time I read Dang. anything from a novel. And See, so this he is a big graduate deal, college too, you guys. So it's not like, yeah, I have a college degree college. and I, I read academic books and, and stuff but like he that. still didn't but, read a novel. That's crazy. No, I purposely avoided certain English classes. I took dang. I took poetry and basics of modern English, so I didn't have to read a novel. Because <sighs> I, mean, I heard some that, some of those classes at North Central for English, you literally had to read a novel a week for for the yeah. whole semester, and I no. Yeah, no. Well, I can't do that. that's, that's a Star Wars every week. But. That breaks my heart because there's so many good Star Wars novels out there. But, yeah, but there wasn't what? a it's, Star it's... Wars novel class at North that's Central. True. Would you take like, that class though? That's it was like question. British lit or some nonsense. Dude, I like took that. Brit lit and I took Shakespeare, and both classes were incredible. 
Yeah, who taught him? <laughs> Why are we uh, talking yeah. about North Central? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All of this to say, everyone that's listening, uh, this is a big deal that he read this. Yes. Because now, Jeremiah, you have to finish it when it comes out. Yeah, you can't uh, spoil yourself with just chapter one. If the rest of the book is anything like this first chapter, I don't know if I want to. Oh, <laughs> God. Okay. All right. Well, before we get cool. into our opinion... Hey. Our, our opinions <laughs> and we start analyzing it um this is a spoiler alert a spoiler warning spoiler uh, alert. what oh, gosh sorry was that a was that a b1 battle droid yeah spoiler That's alert what... spoiler <laughs> why <laughs> i need to we should i'm gonna see if i can find one that says that so we can put it in here spoiler um, alert yeah but something star wars related so we can actually play it but we'll do that later so you have been uh, warned because I'm going to go through and I'm just going to summarize kind of what happens um, really quickly so that all of us can be on the same page as we're discussing it, mainly you, the listener. Um, but yeah, so you've been warned. If you don't want it uh, to be ruined, pause right now and go read it and then come back. Okay, so um, it begins talking about the High Republic. Um, and basically everything is blissful, sounds like. Um, it's peace. There's, there's peace everywhere. Um, there's union between uh, like-minded worlds and like governments are doing incredible. Um, they've got a great chancellor. It, it says it is a time of an ambition, of culture, of inclusion, of great works. Um, so apparently things are going super well. Um, You've got everything that's happening in the core. You've got the the inner and mid rims, but then they mentioned that the outer rim is kind of the at the time of this novel the frontier of everything that's happening. So it's kind of lawless. It hasn't been as settled, near as settled as we see it in the Skywalker saga. Um, it says these worlds are filled with an opportunity for those brave enough to travel the few well-mapped hyperspace lanes leading to them, though there is danger as well. The Outer Rim is a haven for anyone seeking to escape the laws of the Republic and is filled with predators of every type. Um, then it goes on to say, Chancellor So, or Sa, I don't really know how to pronounce yeah. that. How, how would I'll, we I'll say know? So. Lena So. I'd say So, because I don't want to continuously say Sa, because then I'm going to try to make reference to the vine. Um, but the chancellor has pledged to bring outer rim worlds into the embrace of the public through ambitious outreach programs, such as the starlight beacon, which we don't know at this point what that is yet. Order and justice are maintained on the galactic frontier by Jedi Knights, guardians of peace who have mastered incredible abilities stemming from a mysterious energy field known as the force. The Jedi work closely with the Republic and have agreed to establish outposts in the outer rim to help any who might require aid. So Jedi are out there. They're keeping order. They're keeping the peace, but then they're kind of doing like the Red Cross disaster relief type stuff. Um, the Jedi of the frontier can only be, can be the only resource for people with nowhere else to turn, though the outposts operate independently without direct assistance from the great Jedi temple on Coruscant. They act as an effective deterrent to those who would do evil in the dark. Few can stand against, yeah. Few can stand against the Knights of the Jedi Order, but there are always those who will try. Dot 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 dot. Dot 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 dot. 
So that kind of gives us a, an idea of where we're kind of the setting of this first chapter and of the rest of the novel. Things are going super well. The outer rim is being um, settled and being colonized. Um, you know, it's kind of kind of gives you like this wild, wild west feeling where settlements are new. People are just, you know, getting there. Um, you know, they're doing things on their own. It's tough. Um, and then you got the Jedi who are kind of the way that they said it in the introduction to this whole initiative a few months ago. They're kind of like the Texas Rangers. They're keeping the peace. They're helping those who need it. Um, that sort of a thing. And then we get into the first chapter. Uh, so a brief summary. The main character of this chapter is Captain Hedda Cassett. Um, she is the captain of a freighter called the Legacy Run. Um, she's had over four days, decades of flying experience. She started out with the Malastare Celest Joint Task Force, which was kind of like a private like security police force of the Mid-Rim. She did a lot of flying for them, was uh, a decorated kind of accomplished pilot, ended up uh, fly commanding a heavy cruiser, which was one of the largest vessels in their fleet at the time. And then she left um, Malastare Celest Joint Task Force, with distinction, moved on to a job captain, uh, captaining merchant vessels for the Brine or Burn Guild, her version of a relaxed retirement. Um, so basically, she's this dedicate or decorated, really accomplished, very skilled pilot who has had over four decades of piloting experience, and now she's flying freighters, um, which for someone of her stature would be kind of an early uh, relaxed retirement. Um. She's very military-minded because of all of her time she spent actually doing stuff um, in the past. Um, so the chapter opens up giving kind of some background on her. And then she leaves the bridge of this freighter to go do rounds, which she does um, every so often. So we have a lieutenant, Jerry Bowman. Uh, he takes control of the bridge while she's gone. Um, yeah. There's a there's a belief, a belief. I can't talk. There's a brief blurb about how her back's hurting and she's been doing stuff for too long and she's getting old and that sort of a thing. Um, how old are, do you think we're supposed to believe she is? I bet she's like in her well, 60s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it does say, oh, where where does it go? It was forty. Years I literally just okay. The real problem though, she thought tucking a strand of gray hair behind her ear is too mm. many years. Talking about her time piloting. So, um, she's got, she's graying. Yeah. She's like, I would say probably, you know, fifties or sixties. And she, she's a humanoid. Uh, yeah. I almost, I mean, it sounds like she's human. Let me see. Let me see if there's actually something. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she is too. Regular human being. Yeah. She's old. I mean, she's got four decades of flying experience. So, I mean, if you think about it, you start, I don't know. I mean, if she started when she was 20, that's 60 years old. And if she started a little bit, I mean, she's got to be in upper 50s, early 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, she's she's old, but she's she's one heck of a pilot. She's done it all. Um. And then it talks about the ship, the Legacy Run. Um, so it's a Class A modular freight transport, almost as old as she was. Um, 
And so it describes it as a modular freighter. Uh, it was shaped like a long triangular prism with engineering aft and the rest of the space allotted for cargo. The bridge was connected to the central hull via long boom arms, one of which she was traversing um, when she left the cockpit. Um, additional smaller modules could be attached to the central central section up to 144 swapped in and out at the yard, depending on what was needed for any given run. Um, it says she likes that because of kind of the, the random nature of some of the, some of the various journeys they're on. You never know what, you know, kind of the, you never know what you're going to get deal. Um, they mentioned that she had once flown the ship when half of its cargo allotment was reconfigured into a huge water tank for a gigantic saber fish who they delivered to some bureaucrat and then had to take back because they couldn't take care of it. Um, but this trip in particular, they are transporting humans to the outer rim. Those who are leaving the core or the mid rim and they're wanting a new life out, you know, out there, um, where at the time, you know, it's full of dreams, full of possibilities. Um, and so she's got, did they say, I feel like she did, or someone said it, oh, but more than 9,000 souls aboard the ship were depending on Captain Hedda Cassett to get them safely to their destination. So That's a lot of people. Yeah, there's a crap ton of people. So 9, basically, the, the, yeah. So the ship is at this point full of people. There are living quarters. There are, it's not really anything fancy, but she's got a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this is just kind of internal uh, commentary from her or narration. Um, there's a moment where she stops on the way out of the bridge into the main part of the cargo hold. And she looks out into um, the hyperspace flying by. Um, and it says she snapped her eyes away knowing she could end up standing there for 20 minutes if she let herself get sucked in. You couldn't trust hyperspace. It was useful, sure. It got you from here to there. It was the key to the expansion of the Republic out from the core, but no one really understood it. If your Navidroid miscalculated the coordinates even a little, you could end up off the marked route, the main road through whatever hyperspace actually was, and then you'd be on a dark path leading to who knew where. It happened even in the well-traveled hyper, hyper lanes near the galactic center and out here where the prospectors had barely mapped out any routes. Well, it was something you had to keep an eye on. So it's very heavily implying um, that hyperspace at this time, which is supposed to be t just 200 years prior to the Skywalker saga, um, is very unreliable which is interesting, but we can, we can talk about that later. Um, so she gets into basically a big open spot where they use as a common area. Um, she talks to this kid who complains that they need more hollow programs um, because they had gone through all of it and they have a little fun moment there. And then she goes around and checks on everything, checks on the people. It takes her over an hour Um it says, Hedda's rounds took over an hour. She made her way through the passenger compartments, but also checked on a shipment of supercooled liquid Tabana to make sure the volatile stuff was properly locked down. It was. Inspected the engines, all good, and investigated 
the status of repairs to the ship's environmental recirculation systems in progress and proceeding nicely and made sure fuel reserves were still more than adequate for the rest of the journey with a comfortable margin uh, besides. And they were. So she's very meticulous. She's very detail-oriented. She double-checks and triple-checks stuff. And, uh, yeah, she gets back to the bridge, and then all hell breaks loose. So then... Uh, we, they have an alarm that, that begins to sound off. Um, and there's a cadet after she asks for a report, the cadet says there's something in the hyperlane dead ahead, big impact in 10 seconds. So she gets back to the bridge and moments later, she finds out that they're going to hit something huge in a hyperspace lane. Um, it says she knew this situation was impossible. The lanes were selected because they were free of any potential debris their clarity calculated down to a matter, a meter of resolution. Any granules missing, uh, missed would be detected and evaded by the shipboard navidroids making adjustments along the vector. Light speed con- collisions along established lanes were mathematical absurdities. She also knew that even though it was impossible, it was happening, and that 10 seconds were, was no time at all uh, at speeds like the Legacy Run was traveling. Um, so she takes manual control still in hyperspace she takes manual control um and basically there's there's a little blurb about how the freighter was not what she was used to piloting it wasn't a small fighter it was you know large and bulky and it uh i think there's a point where it even says it yeah it maneuvered like a moon (laughs) so that's not good good um yeah it says the legacy run was no warship not even close but had a fluid like one um, she saw the obstacle in their path with, with her fighter pilot's eyes and instinct, saw it advancing at incredible velocity, large enough that both her ship and whatever it was would be disintegrated into atoms, uh, dust drifting forever through hyperlanes. There was no time to avoid it. The ship could not make the turn. There was no room and there was no time, uh, but she does it anyways. So let's see. She 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 basically maneuvers around whatever it is, which at this point we still don't know what it is. Um, it says more than it wanted to, but not less than she believed it could. And the huge freighter slipped past the obstacle in the path in their path. The thing shooting past their hull so close, Hedda was sure she felt its passing ruffle her hair, despite the many layers of metal and shielding between them. They were alive, no impact. The ship was alive. Uh, then they, because of that maneuver, they hit some turbulence and basically the ship was too old and couldn't take the maneuver, which is really sad. And it began tearing apart. So she missed whatever the object was. Ship starts tearing apart. Um, there's this really sad paragraph. She says, Hedda opened her eyes. She realized the con- she released the control sticks and tapped out the commands on her console, activating the bulkhead shielding that separated each cargo module in the instance of a disaster, thinking that perhaps it might give some of the people aboard a chance. She thought about Serge, who is a kid that she talked to earlier, and his friends playing in the common area and how emergency doors had just slammed down at the entrance to uh, each passenger module, possibly trapping them in a zone that was shortly about to become vacuum. She hoped the children had gone to their families when the alarm sounded. She didn't know. She just didn't know. 
Uh, it says Hedda looked locked eyes with her first officer who was staring at her, knowing what was about to happen. He saluted. She says, Captain, or excuse me, the lieutenant says, Captain, it's been an, and in the middle of that sentence, the bridge rips open. Uh, and the last sentence says, Hedda Cassett died, not knowing if she had saved anyone at all. So, that's the first chapter. Hmm. Hmm. Do you before we before we get into the thick of it? Do you guys want to hear a quick word from the sponsor for today's video, or Definitely. not video uh, episode? Yes, yes. While you're contemplating your thoughts of what you just heard, you, the listener, uh, please listen to a word from our sponsor because I think you'll be better for it. Hey everyone, Andrew here. I'm pleased to tell you that the sponsor for today's episode is Wesley Andrews Coffee and Tea. If you don't know anything about Wesley Andrews, you definitely should. They're an award-winning coffee roaster and shop in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they make fantastic coffee. The awesome thing is that they have a subscription service that gets those amazing coffee beans delivered to your door on an either weekly, bi-weekly, or a monthly basis. Unfortunately, we're all being negatively affected by this virus right now. With that being said, what a better time to try some new coffee and support a local business. I know they'll greatly appreciate it, and we will too. After all, using the code Empire Radio with a capital E and a capital R with no space at checkout, when you start a new subscription at wesleyandrews.cc, you'll get 50% off your first purchase. I can't think of a better deal. Get 50% off, support a local Minneapolis coffee shop, and support your favorite Star Wars podcast. In the words of Emperor Palpatine, do it. Yep. You should just go do it. You'll be better for it, I promise. Unless you don't like coffee, but Wesley Andrews is good enough. I think you should give it a try. Truth. Okay, so what did you guys think? Well... I'll, I'll go. Um, so back when this whole book series was announced and they had a little like video of all the writers coming together and kind of like the overview of the series type of thing, they talked about the, the great disaster that occurred that is what causes all the events in this uh, book series to to just like the, the main conflict or the main issue that's being addressed in these books. And so I was like, dang, what is this? Like, what is it like in a war, uh, some sort of war, or is it going to be some sort of like um, act of terrorism or something or what something violent. And so when I read this chapter and knowing that it's this great disaster is, is going to be in this chapter, I was like super excited. Like, what are they going to be revealing? What's the great conflict? And the great disaster is a ship breaking apart in hyperspace and then being spread across the galaxy, basically. And I was kind of like, oh, that's it. And so, I don't <laughs> so, know. I was. Kinda... I mean, but it's 9,000 lives. Oh, well, yeah. Over 9,000. But, but is this going to be so like a, a, a search and rescue story? Type of thing, because hmm. I'm okay. I'm going to assume that 
whatever was in the hyperspace lane that was blocking, I'm assuming it was put there intentionally. And I'm assuming the the main villains that we were told about, of like the the Nils or the something like that, they were behind it, as I'm going to assume. But like I don't know. I was just hope I was expecting more something more dramatic, I guess. Or something more personal. I I think well, I think it's easy to because like in the in this chapter they only mention a few like there's a few Trandoshans and there's some Bith. There's a family of Bith and some other people. And and the fact that they're carrying over nine thousand people was only given one sentence, which it doesn't need to be more, but it's easier. I think it's easy to look over that fact. And so in any time a life is lost, it's a tragedy. We all agree about that. But anytime like anytime you you lose thousands of people in one time, like that's a disaster. I mean, like, um, it, you know, I don't. I don't want to go into details about this. I want to be sensitive to it. But think about something that, like nine eleven, where are they going to say that? You know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people died, um, or or any any sort of a an, an event in history um, where genocide takes place. You know, these are moments that mark history as moments of evil and moments of disaster, and so. Um, if this is truly the great disaster that they're talking about, I think it's warranted to call it that. And I think it does serve as a defining point in the history of the high Republic. Um, but I do get what you're saying. Um, Jeremiah, because like when we, when we first heard about this, it sounded like, you know, a planet explodes or something huge happens, but then, you know, I mean, over nine thousand people died, and that's also really terrible. So, I get, wh- I totally get what you're saying. Um, I think this is going to be the catalyst that that pulls the Jedi into action against the greater threat that right. did this. Right. So, do you would you agree with me that that whatever was in the hyperspace lane was put there intentionally? Uh, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, I read that little part where, you know, she was thinking to herself about how, like, hyperspace collisions were a mathematical improb- impossibility, you know, right. like, even though the lanes hadn't been well mapped, like, there's there's no way that they just, oh, there's something in the hyperspace lane, and it just happened to be there, you know, not to mention that they don't you don't know what it is. Like we don't find out what it is in the first chapter either, but we just know it's huge. So I think it was something intentionally left there. Yeah. Do you think that if it was intentionally put there, do you think it was meant to stop the legacy run specifically or just anyone that was happened to be going by? Because I... like because it says that the Starlight Beacon is a program from the Republic to be an outreach to the 
the yeah. outer rim. And so it could be something where someone or some group of people, which could be the, the I forget, it was the Nils or the whatever, the, the villains of this, the whole novel series, like maybe right. they're from the outer rim and they don't want colonization from the Republic. And so they knew that here's a giant ship with 9,000 people that's going to be brought to the outer room and they're going to do whatever they can to stop that. So like I could, I could picture that. Um, yeah. But I think, I think this is, this is the, in, in a time of great peace, we are seeing the emergence of a great evil that as far as we know, now that we're dealing with a completely new canon, could be the first time the Jedi have had to unify against a large threat. Um, right. I think I think that's what we're seeing. Um, yeah, because I and think it, I think what's going to happen right after this is the Jedi are going to get involved. There's going to be an investigation, and then they're going to realize the scope of the threat, and then there's going to be, you know, the the normal conflict that follows. Um, but yeah, Drew, what were you saying? Oh, it is like back to like kind of what you're saying, like like Jeremiah was saying, like it doesn't seem like it is a I wanna say a big deal. It's a big deal. Like that's a lot of people. But like when you really think of the con like how many people died at the Death Death Star one was like way more than that, you know? Right. And so like it kinda I can see how Jeremiah kinda thought it was kind of like a letdown, air quotes. Um but, like you were saying, though, it is, I believe, it is kind of a big thing because I don't think up to this point there was anything that genocide or that intense that happened yet. And, right. like, they said in the beginning of, the like, the pre-prologue or whatever, like, how the Outer Rim is not a thing. Like, they, they're now getting to it. Yeah. And so, like, they're, it's just, like, kind of, like, people discovering a new plant like a new place and they kind of don't know exactly what they're doing yet or the like it'd be like if we send a bunch of people to mars and then the people live on mars and they decide to kill us all before we got there you know like that'd yeah, be kind of a crazy thing could happen but we also would deserve it because <laughs> maybe shouldn't go there but well that's this politics. So it's just like, <laughs> I can understand both sides of the story, but I do think that this is a bigger ordeal, especially if Jeremiah, you're right. And that this is put in place by the bad guys. And they're the reason why, like they put that stuff in the hyperlane to do it and like the, she said earlier in the chapter two like the hyperlanes are still a little sketch like they're not always the best and they can mess it up and she thought she was on the best one you know well and one so. thing that i didn't read as i was summarizing it um that i think would be worth noting now now that we're kind of down into the nitty-gritty of things um let's see it does say that when she returned to the bridge. Um, that hi the hyperspace looked different. 
Let me see. It almost looked red. She said an alarm uh, uh, an alarm sounded. The bridge lighting flipped into its emergency configuration, bathing everything in red light. Through the front port, the swirls of hyperspace looked off somehow. Maybe it was the emergency lighting, but they had a reddish tinge. It looked sickly. Mm. And so I that wonder... also that could be alluding to something else. I don't know if there's a technology involved. But well, I feel we like in, that's a foreshadowing. But well, we we see in uh, uh, in Rebels, they're able to pull people out of hyperspace, right? You remember those scenes? Mm, and so yeah. when they did that, it was almost like a rainbow color in a sense, like nope. the the swirls, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So it could be something so along those lines, out. like some kind of primitive technology. Because because the hyperspace technology is kind of just being more becoming more advanced, you know, there's probably not as many safeguards uh, in place, and so it'd be easier to exploit the new technology by right pulling people out of hyperspace, which would be much easier. But during the time of like the the Star Wars, uh, the Skywalker saga, all by now all the all the technology has been perfected where it's almost impossible to pull someone out until the empire creates that technology or uh, later I on. think what if they're putting pull, pulling stuff in or putting stuff in yeah, to pushing lanes. stuff in there yeah because yeah. I think instead of pulling things out I think I think what we're seeing here is the possibility that they may may, may have found a way to to put stuff into hyperspace lanes well that mm. but that's just hyperspace is just us just normal space though, right? Uh, not not necessarily. So is it going into a different dimension? Is that how no. you understand hyperspace? No, I... Because I, I always figured it was hyper- just normal space travel, just that you're going super fast. And so the light that you see going by, like the mm. swirls as it described, is just other planets and stars and yeah and stuff. So you're just going super fast, but... You could technically just—it's kind of like in uh, Rogue One when mm-hmm. Vader's ship arrives. Like they're like when the rebels are trying to escape, they're in the same lane as Vader's. Mm-hmm. Vader's. Yeah, I guess. Ship. I guess you're right. And then when they go, see, they hit his yeah. ship. Yeah, I see hyperspace as more of like a highway, and like their coordinates is like on that hyperspace lane, like a highlight, like. You're sure. in the car lane in the highway, and sure. they're like technology is pretty much like they're seeing they have like technology to where they could figure out. All right, if I go all the way to this distance, there should be nothing in my way, so I shouldn't worry about hitting any like meteorites sure. or any planets. But so pretty much what happened was like their coordinates said that they were good, they're great, like nothing here and then someone put a car in the way last second and they hit it or you know what i mean like someone put something on the highway or someone's tire fell off like it's that's why she was saying earlier like it seemed like some of the hyperspace lanes were are still not predictable because i think their technology is still not as good as we see it in like episode one 200 years later that technology is at the point where this is almost not I wouldn't say possible, but it's very hard to get to this point. 
where they because they move so quick like the internet or okay i'm not gonna say internet but their technology <laughs> hits it like yep you're good to go they punch it and they're already through it you know what i mean punch it chewy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. So I think the general, I think our general collective idea though is that this was not an accident, right? No. Yeah, that's what we're right. going with. I mean, that's yeah. what it makes the most sense to me. You heard it here first. Because it wouldn't make sense <laughs> if they're saying that this is the potentially what the craziest thing that happened in chapter one, and this is what sets up this whole series. It wouldn't make sense why it wouldn't. It would be an accident because then, like accidents happen. Your technology sucks. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. That wouldn't make sense, right? So it would have to be, like Jeremiah was saying, that something, someone put something in there, or someone was in there, or someone messed with the controls of the hyperspace and they w- right. went off course a little bit, or something like that. Like, yeah. It clearly seemed like it was on purpose, or it wouldn't make sense why we might have to have the Jedi come out and clean right. up. Okay, so um, I, I guess my next question, and I, I've seen videos like thumbnails and stuff for this on YouTube, and, and I've purposely not watched any of these because I wanted to have this discussion kind of fresh and raw with you guys when we were doing this episode. But do you think, in your opinions, do you think that this incident alone is the great tragedy or do you Mm. think it's something else because you would you would assume that this this is the this is the first chapter like this is the this is the event that is the first chapter of this new book in this new story in this new time that hasn't been explained or explored yet in star wars um it's very intentional right you put it they put it there for a reason do you think but do you think this by itself is the great tragedy or do you think this is one of a few different similar events that make up the great tragedy? Well, I I should preface that saying that the reason why I called it the great disaster is because in the IGN article where this first chapter is, they have a video which is in this, which is entitled star Wars, the high Republic reveals it's great disaster. And so Right. I didn't watch that video, and so I don't know what they said. Maybe they got more details of what is revealed and what's actually in the article, but um, I'm assuming. It I, seems I guess like it should be that. I I guess maybe I went in with wrong a, a bias of sure. just that reading that one line, and so I could be wrong. Maybe this isn't the great disaster, but it's something that that reveals that. It's the it's the first step that leads to the, us experiencing what it actually is later on, maybe halfway through the book or something. But sure. yeah, I guess like we don't know this, but this could this seems like it's setting up the events for the Jedi to do something. Right, 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 right. right. If, if and so maybe this is like the set of the great disaster, but then they go and kill way more people or something like that. So it right. seems like it kind of is – it's the first domino falling on potentially more dominoes, you know? Yeah, so. like maybe maybe this is a coordinated thing and simultaneously, you know, objects are placed in hyperspace lanes, you know, at like 10 other points yeah. and, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But either way, I mean, this these this is over nine thousand people are dead now. Presumably, we don't know if anybody actually survived. But all we've got yeah. is the heavy implication that they're dead. Also, um, the- I'm pretty sure they didn't kill off those kids at that surge kid. They're not going to mention him by name and then uh, kill him off. Like, why would they get they... that whole girl and and her backstory, and they killed her off? Like, it, yeah, because that's the yeah, whole point that's of the fair. first chapter. But they're not going to mention a kid. And no, then... it seemed like he might actually be he's part fine. of the bigger story. He's, he's probably force sensitive, and he's going to get trained as a Jedi or something like. That. Oh yeah, he's probably maybe he's he's, he's, the, he's the broom kid. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Nah, um, let's but not. Um, let's not. <laughs> I, so, I guess I have one final question, um, and really, I'm I'm good to go with this this subject. But now we've gotten our first taste of the High Republic. That is very clearly 200 years before the events of the Rise of Skywalker, and we're seeing that only 200 years prior to the events of. The Phantom Menace, the Republic is nowhere near as advanced as we thought they would be mm. um, in technology and you know in the the hyperspace traveling, the settlement of the Outer Rim and all this stuff. Um, settlement. That's a aggressive do, word. Do you want? Do you like? The question is: Do you like where this is going, um, or do you not? Well, I, I remember when we were originally talking about Project Luminous all these years ago, or not years ago, months ago. Yeah, all these reasons. years. It, dude, it feels like <laughs> it with everything that's been going on. Yeah. But all those months ago, like, I think I remember because they said that hyperspace lanes were just being developed. Developed. And I was like, right. 200 years before, and it's not like a, a, a predominant thing yet. Like, I was kind of shocked by that because I figured. Like I never played any of the like old Republic video games or anything, but I watched all those trailers, and it seems like the technology back then, which was thousands of years prior, was right. highly advanced still, and would still be capable of having many hyperspace lanes throughout the galaxy. And so, seeing also this, Hammond. oh, I understand that, but it's like how how much are they behind what I thought they would be? Is it right. just the hyperspace yeah. lanes or is it they do Jedi still have the, the, the corded lightsabers <laughs> or something? I don't, I, I don't think that that's I the case. Think, oh, I hope because you know what I mean? Art. Like, like yeah, how, right. how primitive are they? Are they basically the same as the Skywalker saga, but they don't have the hyperspace lanes or like what? Right. So I'm kind of, yeah disappointed by how little advanced they are but we don't really know anything about it so it's hard to say yeah it's kind of hard to say um i kind of get that i think they're just trying it seems like they're kind of trying to get rid of the knights of the republic like everything about it which is it's kind of weird but who knows i don't know but yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I really hope they don't just like I don't know. It it seems very political so far. 
Granted, it's one chapter. Well, it is a political thing because it's, dis- a, it's a government action to expand the republic. So it is political. It's purposely that. Yeah, well, it sounds boring. <laughs> like, well, it does, just that seems mean, like- does that mean that you thought the first half of The Phantom Menace was trash? Because, <laughs> uh, like, that movie was very well, heavily think- political. I don't think Star so. Wars. Star Wars okay. is always political, and that's why the sequel trilogy no, no. sucked I get because that. It, it wasn't political. It, wait, what? what? Uh, no, 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 no. Let's just keep no, going. No. The that's sequel trilogy was the least political of the trilogies, and so therefore, that's one of the reasons why it did, wasn't as good. Uh, but anyway, okay. Eh, I'm not gonna answer that or state. Um, but no, I just I don't want a book series about how these people are taking over other people's planets. Well, we you know don't. what I mean? I mean, we don't know. I hope that's not what it is. It just seems very like we're Germany and we're coming over to find America. You know what I mean? Like it. Yeah, it, I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it does very just, we should it, not be reading these kind of books. Right yeah. Now. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're painting it. They're painting it as the Chancellor wanting to include yeah. the other planets. And and I think I think that's the the direction they're heading and the perspective they're taking. But you're right. It, it could be very inappropriate if we yes. find out that the Republic is going out and taking over land and stuff. I mean, because I, I, I can't even begin to explain why that's a problem and why that should not be a part of the story. Um, yeah. And it's Granted, especially, we don't know if these, especially right now. And yeah, especially right now with the way things are, you know, currently in, you know, 2020, when we're recording this, I mean, that would be very inappropriate and very insensitive. However, I'm hoping that it's the, Hey, we want to, you know, we're, we're on the planet. Come be a part of the Republic. Or, if you want to, hey, if not, these bad guys have nothing to do with where the people were actually going. They're right. just trying right. to cause terrorist acts right like they're just bad people cool or bad yeah. creatures or whatever i'm okay i'm fine right. with that but if it's because they're mad that these people are coming and bringing thousands of people to their yeah, planet i, I don't want to read that man. their planet i don't want to read that yeah that is dumb. so <laughs> i mean it's it's still too early to tell um yeah at this point but I don't I, think I, it's that. I'm just. Yeah. It, um, it, I would be shocked if Disney went in that direction, but, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens. But me personally, um, I find it really, I find this really difficult um, because I really enjoyed the old Republic that we had before. Mm-hmm. And again, everybody's roll. Everybody that's listening is rolling their eyes. Cause I'm talking about the expanded universe again. But, you know, we have these stories about Darth Bane and Darth Revan and all of these things where there was a Sith Empire and they had these super advanced armies. And, like, I agree with you, Drew. Like, there – or was it Jeremiah who talked about the trailers? Yeah. Jeremiah. Yeah. There's – I mean, they're just as advanced. If not, some of the stuff looks more advanced. Yeah. Than the current, like, Skywalker Saga, saga era – error era excuse me and that's because you know video game technology and computer rendering and stuff has gotten better 
over time. But well, and I think like, the whole point of that was that because when Palpatine was in reign from four to five or four to six, like he put a damper on technology for the public because he didn't sure. want them to start overpowering him. And like that's kind of like I their way to fix those problems. Right. Even though it's just because our personal technology is getting better, so we're showing right. cooler things. But it would make sense why, like, a dictator would dampen um, right. your your view of life and what is possible. Yeah. So that I'm, you don't overpower them. Yeah. So I, it, it is hard for me because. I have that perspective of the thousands of years in the past before the time of the, you know, the Republic from the Skywalker saga and everything that happened and like the formation, uh, the birth of the rule of two and the decline of the Sith empire. But like seeing the height of the Sith when they had like foot soldiers that weren't force sensitive, but then they also had hundreds, if not thousands of like, actual Sith force users and the Jedi were numbered in the thousands and like all these crazy stories. It is, it is difficult for me to go from that and then read, Oh, well it's only, it's only 200 years in the past and we still don't really have hyperspace figured out. Like seriously, yeah. but like, all of that to say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all I of that to say, saying. you know, I am excited I would I would say at face value I am excited. Um, I'm gonna read it. I will immediately stop reading it. Like I, like we mentioned, if this does become some sort of like a weird colonizing story, um, uh, yeah. but I will tell you that as it is right now, I'm excited about it, and I think it has the potential to be really good. Um, Darth Revan is still one of my favorite characters of all time. Knights of the Old Republic is still a brilliant game. I think. If anybody, okay, really quickly, if anybody from Nintendo is is listening to this and you have the ability to to get Knights of the Old Republic onto Switch in a remastered format, please, please do it. But that's beside the point. Anyways, I love all that stuff. I think it. I think it's great storytelling. I think the characters were strong. They were depth. They had depth. Whatever. But I think this does have the capability. Uh, to continue to be um, a, a valuable part of Star Wars um, and, a, and a good part of Star Wars. So anyways, I'm trying not to be the expanding universe guy um, all the time, but those are my thoughts. So um, Jeremiah, do you have anything true? Jeremiah, either of you, do you have anything to add? Um, no, I think that's, pretty much it cool all right well without further ado actually wait first what do you guys think what are what are what are you the listeners what are your thoughts well if you're wondering how to voice those to us we have social media that you can do that on uh and it's empire radio podcast on facebook and instagram and uh, you can go to the link below and leave us a voice message on our anchor page. And if we like it, we might even f uh, feature it in a new episode one day. Um, so we're looking for that interaction because we're doing this 
one, because we love Star Wars and we love talking about it, but really it's for you guys and we wouldn't be here without all of you listeners. So thank you for doing that. Um, if you really want to support us financially, there's a link um, below the podcast as well um, that you can do that through Anchor. Um, but yeah, all we want you guys to do right now is to keep coming back, continue to check out the Empire Radio podcast and the Empire Radio podcast family that also includes the Mandalorian podcast and the Clone Wars Save podcast, both of which are really unfortunately on hiatus right now. Um, but we're still going to be here on this platform every week. So anyways, without further ado, this has been another episode of the Empire Radio Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Jeremiah. I'm Drew. And may the force be with you. Always. Always.